Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, May the 10th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Tuesday. Good morning and welcome to uh, ESPN Tucson and uh, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. And we have a, a great show planned for you guys today for the next couple of hours till uh, till 9 o'clock. We've got plenty of sports news, uh, things that are happening already this morning, stuff that is kind of breaking news, I guess, if you will, not, you know, earth-shattering any kind of stuff. But we do have some news that is actually happening this morning, which is pretty rare, uh, in, in, in the what we call the, the dog days of summer, leading up to the dog days of summer where there isn't anything going on. So uh, we'll talk about that. We have plenty of NBA playoff action to get into, as there were a couple of really well, I shouldn't say really good games because NBA officiating keeps getting in the way of really good basketball, and I'm honestly, I, I, I'm getting real sick and tired of it, and I'm, I, I think the fans are too because the sentiment across Twitter, not only just here locally, and, and you know, the Suns didn't even play last night, and a lot of people uh, that you know I that I follow and, and people that you know are, are commenting on the games and such are just fed up with the officiating. But you hear it on TNT, the analysts, you know, whether it be Shaq or Kenny or Chuck or Ernie, you know, that just everyone is just disgusted by what they're seeing in these games. And I understand that the NBA, you know, obviously you have to officiate them and, you know, there's, there's things that can and can't be uh, allowed and the players are certainly taking a lot of liberties, but – they're also doing that because it's being allowed. It's 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 being allowed to happen. They are letting you know letting players do these things, get away with these things, uh, you know, and no more. I guess no more evident than the the exchange that happened between Chris Paul and Luka Doncic in Game Four, right before the end of the first half, where Chris Paul picked up his fourth foul. It was obvious that Luka Doncic had flopped on the play. And they basically, you know, Luca was gloating about it. Chris Paul basically congratulated him on it. And you could hear it on the microphones. And you could see it in their eyes. You could see it in their faces. Luca laughing all the way to the locker room. Uh, and the officials were right there to look at all of that. Now, in college basketball, you get flop warnings. And I saw, I saw several of them issued this season, not only nationally, but specifically in the Pac-12. I announced several flop warnings uh, in games at McHale, and that was just in the small sample of games that I w you know, was announcing there, the home games there. So um, it's being called in college, and it's a difficult call to make. And I know that, that coaches a lot of times disagree with it, but at the collegiate level, if you know, if, essentially if a player gets called for flopping, and it's not going to be a technical the first time, but it will be called a technical the next time. The coach will gripe a little bit with the, you know, with the officiating. Oh, it's not a flop. He actually got hit in the face, you know, this and that. But as so you, you see it as soon as that player comes back to the bench, they get spoken to about it. They're like, you, you can't, you can't be flopping out there. 
You gotta, you gotta hold your ground. You can't be, you can't just be expecting them to, to baby you out of a call and all this other stuff. So the NBA needs to do something about this because it has become Euroleague soccer out there. And it is not the sport that I grew up watching. And I'll tell you this, it is not the sport that I want to watch moving forward. Because if I have to watch that, then I'll choose something else, to be honest. I, I just, I won't watch. And I don't think a lot of other people will either. You know, there are, there are rules against flopping or taking a dive in other sports. The, you know, the, the rule in the NHL has been there for decades. Diving has been a penalty in the NHL for a long, long time. It is highly, highly frowned upon. And that is a sport played predominantly by Europeans. Europeans, Canadians, okay? And it seems that the biggest offenders in the NBA, or at least the ones that brought the the uh, egregious flopping to the NBA, were the Euro players. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, it's not being like racist or anything. You just you think about where it all began, and you look at these, you know, the biggest culprits. It's the players that came over from the, you know, the Eastern European nations, and also, you know, places like. You know France and and you know other other you know Spain uh, and other places like that where hey you know it's just part of the game over there. Well, over here it's disgusting and we don't like it. American basketball fans don't like it. No one wants to watch it. That's for damn sure. Um, and the players are just allowed to continue to get away with this this garbage. So last night the that Warriors Grizzlies game. Now I'll give credit to the to the NBA. The uh the Bucks Celtics game yesterday, that was a rough basketball game. That was a very very physical. That that reminded me of old school like Big East basketball like you would see back in like the 90s with you know in college where it was just really physical, well-played basketball for the most part and it was at times it was beyond a little physical, but I don't think the game in you know in Milwaukee went that way last night. There was a lot of trash talk going on, even from Giannis. You don't see that all that often. He got teched up last night because he was trash talking and taunting Al Horford. Um, he probably should have uh, you know kept that one in his pocket though because he got beat up by Al Horford last night and uh, Giannis didn't have his best game. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come up specifically talking about that game. But uh, I think the product that we're seeing in the NBA right now is something that is largely unwatchable and unenjoyable by the fans. And the NBA is, is going to have a real considerable problem on their hands if they don't shut this down real quick. they got to figure something out right now because this is the, 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 the calls that are being made and just the constant break in the flow. Like, here's the thing. I'm not even I'm not even all that upset about the calls that are being made. There are there are some that I'm just like, okay, that's just ridiculous. I don't know how you can make that call. Uh, but you know, it, look, mistakes happen. This is why we have, you know, humans in you know in the in the world of sports that are officiating games, whether it be calling balls and strikes or whatever have you. There's going to be human error in the games, and I think we all accept that. We don't accept we don't expect perfection from these people. We would like it, but we don't expect it. Um, it, it's just the amount of whistles in the games is the problem. You, you can't go, you can't go a, a, a full back and forth possession without there being a whistle. Now, granted, some of it is because 
the players have taken it upon themselves to initiate that kind of a game. It's it's become more of a get to the foul line league. And you know, credit credit James Harden for that, who was, you know, made a, a living, won an MVP off of shooting twenty free throws a game because of this nonsense. Getting into players and they've done a good job. Look, you can't you know the the whistle that Chris Paul was was called for. I know a lot of people are upset about that where he, you know, he, he slowed down his dribble in front of another player. That player ran into him, and they called the foul on Chris Paul. Now, for the previous 20 years in the NBA, that was a very acceptable defensive foul in the league, but players were taking advantage of it. They were, you know, I mean, hell, we saw Peyton Pritchard do that for years in the Pac-12, you know, really savvy player up at Oregon, of course. We would see him draw three or four fouls a game by doing that kind of stuff. Well, the NBA put a stop to that, or is trying to put a stop to that, and they did a good job with that this year. I saw a ton of calls that went against the, the ball handler when they slowed down or stopped in front of a defender like that, trying to get them to run into the back of them to create a cheap foul. NBA says, we're not going to fall for that crap anymore. Knock it off. Uh, if you do it, you're going to get called for the foul. And it's been consistent. They've, I mean, I think that the NBA has done a really good job of cracking down on it this year. And to be honest with you, I don't like that play. I don't think that you should be able to just stop your dribble. Uh, it, it's like it would be like in your car, okay? If somebody's following a little too closely, and instead of you know brake checking them, which is I'm not recommending anyone do. That's dangerous. Don't do that. Um, but it, like slamming on your brakes just to get them to get into an accident with you, just so you can make their insurance company pay. Well, how do you know that they have insurance? I mean, how do you know? Do you want to go through all that nonsense of getting rear-ended and possibly getting whiplash? Do you have people in the car with you? Then you got to go to the, the shop and get things fixed. What if you go to the wrong shop and they mess up your paint or they don't match up the lines and the body work you know, as well as they should be? Look, there's so many things that could go wrong in that situation. I just don't, I don't like, I never like the, the, the offensive player stopping or slowing down to try to create that, you know, try to create that foul. Now, if you're in the act of shooting, if you're if you're being tailed and you want to stop and pop and a guy runs into you, then that's one thing. That's taking a jump shot. But if you're dribbling up past the half-court line and you just get in front of somebody and slam on the brakes to get them to run into you, that's not basketball. I don't want to see that. Nobody, nobody needs to see that. And the NBA did a really good job of cracking down on that this year. I commend them for that. Now they need to work on basically every other aspect of the officiating of these playoff games because it's gotten ridiculous. There were 50 fouls in the uh, uh, in the in the Miami game yesterday. There were, like I said, now the Boston, you know, the the, the Boston game last night was pretty good. Like they there weren't a ton of fouls. I think there were you know 40 fouls called in that game, which is fine. You know, I'm I'm okay with 40. When you get above 45, uh, or when you get to a situation where there's just no flow to the game. Then that's you know that's where it's got to stop, you know. And and I know that in that Warriors game, you know, the Warriors and Grizzlies game last night, there weren't a ton, but there were a couple of players who just every time they got near a basketball player, it was like they called a foul on Jaron Jackson was called for five fouls in like 32 minutes. Uh, Draymond Green was called for a foul anytime he was near anybody last night, and it just uh, it's just not it, it ruins the flow of the game. I want to see guys play basketball. I want to see guys shoot free throws. I don't want to be a a free throw shooting contest. Nobody wants to see that. You know, I thought Jeff Van Gundy, who I, I have a lot of respect for, and I, I love listening to his analysts 
his analysis when he when he does uh, NBA games. I think he's probably if, if for my for my money he's the best analyst out there because he tells it like it is. He doesn't he doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull punches. And he's a guy who loves the old style of the NBA. Who wants to see an up and down game. And there was a there was a play earlier in the um, I think it was I don't know if it was in the postseason or, or where, whenever it was maybe it was the last game of the regular season whatever have you, and this has been going on in the NBA for the last couple of years, a player gets a steal at mid court okay or or gets a steal, you know, three quarter court maybe, and they have essentially a free lane to the basket but they haven't they haven't I guess established the fact that they're going to score they're going to have an uncontested dunk or layup. They get fouled at midcourt, let's say. Somebody just grabs them, just just gr- reaches out, grabs their arm, and gra- the whistle blows. And there's, first of all, there's no intentional foul called, which is ridiculous. And the fact that they just allow them to stop a fast break like that, it's the most exciting play in basketball. And it is perfectly, it, it is perfectly well within, I mean, it, it's the smart thing to do because that's the way the game's being played, to just grab the guy instead of let him go score. Or at least go get, try to get back on defense. Just grab him. It's fine. He'll go to the free throw line. He'll make one of two. If he makes both, who cares? It's better than giving up a dunk. I, and then they allow this to happen. It just it drives me nuts. Like, yeah, let's just do whatever we can to, you know, like like quell the the the, the excitement in the game. And let's let's do whatever we can to keep the uh, you know keep the speed of the game to a minimum. Let's just turn it into a half court grind. All game long for 48 minutes. I'm just, I, I'm not here for it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch that that brand of the NBA. And if that's where it's going, then I think a lot of fans are going to jump off that bo- that you know that bandwagon as well. So hopefully the NBA, there's nothing they can do right now. Hopefully they take some advice from their fans for once and uh, agree to start changing the way these games are played. Now again, you can't you can't turn it into you know, the late 80s, early 90s type of NBA where guys are literally running down the lane, jumping into the air, putting their feet in the chests of other players and kicking them two rows back into the into the bleachers. You can't, you can't have that, obviously. But there's a line that you can find in between the two, and it's got to be found because right now what we're seeing is absolute garbage, and nobody wants to watch this kind of game. Uh, a college game, honestly, is way more exciting even though the players are way less uh talented and skilled as what we see in the nba i'd much much rather watch a college game right now just because of the way the games are being called now college officials have got their own problems they, they just make bad calls but at least they're not blowing their whistle every 30 seconds so i'll i'll take that <laughs> I'll, I'll take the occasional whistle with a really bad call then take 52 whistles where there's like four or five really bad calls give me give me give me the the former than the latter last night in the nba a great great win honestly for the for the warriors i you know it's funny because you know you look at them they were 11 point favorites which is a huge huge number in an nba playoff game by the way um because the grizzlies were playing without their star john morant now there's a lot of things to take away from this particular game the Warriors without, without Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr tested positive for COVID prior to the game. Wasn't feeling well, tested positive. 30 minutes later, 
and he's out for the next two games. He won't be traveling with the team to Game 5 in Memphis on Wednesday night. So that leaves Mike Brown as the head coach. Mike Brown, who had accepted the job to be the next Sacramento Kings head coach earlier in the day, then goes in to coach a playoff game as a, as a, as a stand-in for Steve Kerr, and his team puts up 38 points in the first half. Total, 38 against a team they were favored by 11 without their superstar point guard. And I'm thinking to myself, Mike Brown's going to get fired from the Sacramento job before he gets a chance to take it. Like, the the Warriors could not have played worse. Defensively, they were still good. Uh, But they couldn't have played worse on offense. They missed their first 15 three-pointers. Now, again, that's not on Mike Brown, but, you know, there was a lot of jokes being, being made out there, obviously. And uh, one of those jokes, Justin Spears made himself, got himself onto the NBA and TNT, and Charles Barkley called him out, and it was like laughing at it, and called it, said his name on the air and everything. That was cool for Justin. That was super exciting. I love that. Um, but, you know, it, you know, you watch the game last night, and Mike Brown is like, you're like, man, this, this poor dude's going to get fired before he gets a chance to even coach a game for the new team based on what we're seeing here in a, in a game against a team that they're favored by 11. And, now the other discussion has to be, okay, well, the Grizzlies had this game. They're up 41-38 at the half. They had uh, they had a seven-point lead, I think it was, going into the fourth quarter. They had a fourth-quarter collapse. Defensively, they gave up a million points in the fourth quarter. Steph Curry was insane. Um, but they, they, they had this complete collapse. But, hell, as 11-point underdogs on the road, they were leading the for the you know most part of that game. They had a, a lead for 38 minutes of that game last night, and you start thinking to yourself, "This is a team that went 19 and two without John Morant in the regular season, and now without him in a postseason game on the road, in a game that they had no business being even involved in. They led that game for 38 minutes without him. So, <laughs> I don't know if we if we start the discussion now, but it's certainly probably being had in Memphis right now by fans and by media who will try to keep quiet. It's kind of like it's kind of like calling out your favorite announcer, like when Harry Carey, when it was obvious that Harry Carey was done, like he he couldn't pronounce people's names, he couldn't catch up with the, he couldn't keep up with the games, he was having all kinds of problems, he couldn't see the field, uh, you know, a, a, a pop fly, a routine pop fly into shallow left field, he would start going crazy like it was a home run, and then like oh it's caught. But no, you would never hear a Chicago Cubs fan say, Harry Carey needs to hang it up. Because you don't want to be that person, right? You don't want to be the person who says, Joe Paterno needs to, you know, needs to retire. Uh, obviously, before all the problems happened with that, that program. But you never wanted to be that person. So I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people in Memphis right now that don't want to be that person that says, maybe we're better without John Morant. Because he is the most exciting product in the NBA. He's electric. And he, 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 he draws so many eyeballs, and he is fun to watch, and he is he's amazing at what he does. But for some weird reason, that team plays better when he's not on the court. I don't get it. I, I really can't understand it. So, uh, and he, that was without Dev, you know, Desmond Bain has been invisible in this series, uh, a really good player, good shooter. He's been invisible in this series. He, if he had played marginally better than he has this entire series last night the Grizzlies get that win so 
Golden State now up 3-1 in that series of uh, that series of seven. It'll shift back to Memphis in Game Five again. The Warriors will be without Steve Kerr. It is unsure whether or not Memphis will be without John Morant, but we will have to see on that. All right. When I return, we'll take a break. When I return, we'll talk about the fountain of youth that has hit Boston Celtics center Al Horford or power forward maybe, uh, and the game that he brought to the playoffs last night against Giannis, and a whole lot more coming up next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson will be right back. Brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, speaking of big fourth quarters, you know, we talked about the Warriors and the big fourth quarter that Steph Curry had scored. Uh, Steph scored 18 in the fourth quarter of the uh, the Dubs win last night in San Francisco. But in Milwaukee, the Boston Celtics, 43 points in the fourth to outscore Milwaukee by 15. They were down seven going into the fourth quarter, won that game by eight. Absolutely just an impressive performance in the fourth quarter, not only offensively, you know, Tatum, Horford, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart. The starters, the starting five scored 105 points for the Celtics last night. 105. (laughs) That's that's insane. Um, Horford and Tatum each had 30 apiece. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown each had 18 apiece. They were dynamite from the free throw line, 18 of 20 from the from the free throw line. They're taking less threes right now in this series. They took 50 in game one, 47 in game two, last night only 37. And they shot 50% from the field. Meanwhile, Giannis, who scored 34, had 18 rebounds, five assists last night. 14 of 32 from the field, though. 4 from beyond the arc, shouldn't be taking four three-pointers if you're Giannis. And 6 of 11 from the free-throw line, back to his old ways at the free-throw line. But it was kind of the the early, uh, I guess, rivalry between Al Horford and Giannis that made things interesting. Normally you don't see Giannis uh, taunt people or get in people's faces or do stuff to you know to get technical fouls. He's just not that kind of guy. He's, he's you know likable guy. He's a respectful guy. And after a certain play last night, early in the game, uh, he let Al Horford know that there was more coming from that, you know, more of that, you know, where that came from, essentially. And immediately he looks at the official like, oh, I'm going to get teed up for this, aren't I? And sure enough, he did. Al Horford got his revenge in a couple of ways. Not only did he get the win and outplayed Giannis uh, for a large part of that game, but also delivered a nice elbow uh, later in that game as well. Uh, look, this is this has been a uh, this has been a good series, a good back and forth series, and I don't quite know honestly whether it's you know teams just stepping up or teams having anomalies, you know type situations. I, I don't I don't know what to think, but I know what it's what you know what's going on right now. It's two two. The series is going back to Boston on Wednesday for Game Five. I'm not exactly sure what to expect. <laughs> so I mean, it could be a forty point win by the Bucks. You know where it's you know the, the score is you know 126 to 86. It could be a 91 to 88 slog fest that the Celtics win. Uh, who knows? Like I, it's it's 
it's been an interesting series, but I'll tell you what, man, it is uh, it is exciting, and I, I I do think that whichever team emerges from this series will not only be better for it, but will be the favorite to uh, to claim the Eastern Conference title. So, super excited for uh, for this series. It's it's been good, and I think the officiating in that series has been okay. Uh, I, I I feel like there's only one team that really wants to run in that series anyway. So. There's there's you know there's been a lot of slowdown play anyways a lot of half court play anyway so it hasn't really ruined the flow in my opinion. All right so uh, so that again that game is game five in Boston on Wednesday and uh, of course we'll uh, keep you updated on any kind of news that comes out of that. We also are going to talk some uh, coming up later on in the show we're going to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. I have some NFL news because there is some somewhat breaking news to talk about coming up after the break. We'll talk some D-backs baseball as the D-backs win again over the Marlins last night, 4-3. to three. Now they're two games above 500 through the first 30 games of the season. They're 16-14, and 14, and their pitching has been absolutely spectacular, starting pitching has been. Um, and then we'll also, of course, preview tonight's Game 5 of the Suns and Mavericks. Big, big game in the Western Conference tonight. And, as I mentioned, uh, a little topic that we have coming up a little bit later on as I talk NFL here every day. Uh, I'll give you my choices, my teams who finished last uh, in their divisions last year with the best opportunities to make the playoffs, and then some other teams, because it happens every year, right? Half of the teams that made the playoffs won't make it uh, from year to year, which means that teams that didn't make the playoffs get to move into those slots. I'll give you my picks for those teams coming up as well. Still a whole lot more to come here. Stay tuned to the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You can go yard all summer long every Tuesday with $5 Dinger Tuesdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. This season, all customers will get $5.00. For every home run hit by both teams when you place a $25 one of their to-hit-a-home-run wagers on Tuesday Major League games. Now, basically what you do is before the game goes live, you can pick one player from a particular game who you think will click. That's the pick to click. That's what I like to call it. Uh, and to see if that person hits a home run. Now, if they hit a home run, obviously, great, you're going to get a nice payout because there's pretty pretty long odds on those. A $25 bet. Uh, it's pretty nice, uh, hefty little payout there. But if they don't, what you get is you get a bonus in site credit for $5 for every home run hit in that game. So even if your player doesn't hit the home run, let's say five players do. Let's say it's a, it's a, it's a home run festival like we had in uh, Chicago last night for the White Sox and Indians game. You're going to get paid $5 back for every player that hits a home run, which is awesome. So what are you waiting for? Pick your home run hitter and turn big swings into big wins. And there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book. So head over to your FanDuel Sportsbook account or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up using my promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N. Use my promo code DEAN to give yourself access to other great promotions on a daily and, of course, introductory uh, level on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Bonus issued is non withdrawable site credit. It expires in seven days. Max bonus is $25. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342. 
Uh, we'll talk some baseball coming up in a little bit as uh, the Diamondbacks continue winning. So does basically everybody else in the National League West. That division is looking really, really good right now, uh, and it's just embarrassing the rest of the uh, of, of the rest of the majors. So uh, we'll be talking about some some baseball coming up because hell, D-backs, which you can of course hear right here as we are your Tucson home for D-backs baseball. 16 and 14, still in the cellar, but two games above 500, and the pitching has been incredible for them uh, so far this season. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. In the Stanley Cup playoffs last night, it was the Florida Panthers drawing even in the series with the uh, Washington Capitals as they went into D.C., won the game by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. That series will shift back to Florida. This is Look, this is one of those series where the number one team in the East is struggling a little bit with the lowest seed in the East as well right now. But Washington's got star power. They've, of course, got Alexander Ovechkin, and they're getting some great goaltending in that series as well. So that's been an interesting one. I thought that was a series that, that Florida might struggle a little bit a little bit with. They're still a team that's working out their chemistry. Um, when things are clicking for Florida, they're unstoppable. They're the most unbeatable team in the league when, when things are going well for them. But uh, Washington has mucked things up a little bit. So it's been, it has been the wide open ice that they're accustomed to, and uh, they're, they're having to adjust right now. But I do believe that they'll win in advance. But, hey, 2-2 right now, you never know. In, in, because in the Stanley Cup, the you know the eight seed or you know what would be considered the eight seed back in the day, upset one seeds happen all the time. Like every two years, we would get an eight seed over a one seed. It seemed like so, uh, it's nothing new there. The Pittsburgh Penguins, as I predicted, are absolutely mowing down the New York Rangers. And last night they hung a seven spot on the board, beat the Rangers seven to two. The Rangers just don't have any answers for. The, the Pittsburgh power play, they don't have answers. I mean, look, Pittsburgh's on their third-string goalie right now. They're basically an, an almost an emergency goalie situation for the Penguins. Doesn't matter. Because if you hang seven on the board, it's tough to lose that game. Uh, and right now, the Penguins lead that series 3-1. to one. I picked them to win that series, even though the Rangers were pretty heavy favorites in that series. It just seems... Like the New York Rangers always fall to pieces in the postseason. Doesn't matter who their coaches, players are, doesn't matter. <laughs> that that franchise just has not been able to get out of their own way for a long time. So uh, I like Pittsburgh to close that out over the next two games. I think that'll be over within uh, six. The uh, Calgary Flames finally were able to figure out the Dallas Stars' defense last night. They put four goals on the board, able to win in Dallas by a score of four to one. They even that series at two apiece as they head back to Calgary for game five. And the Colorado Avalanche put the Nashville Predators out of their misery, winning the game 5-3, to three, and really just not, I mean, honestly, that was, uh, that series was over before it began, but uh, that it, it was very evident early on that that was not going to be a competitive series, and it was an easy sweep for the Avs in that series, and they move on to await their opponent in round two. They're going to be waiting a while because all the other uh, series are very close, very tight right now, and I think that's something that we expect out of this season's uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Some NFL news uh, as we transition a little bit. We're going to have some – we'll have some more NFL in our number two as we get into a topic that uh, that I wanted to talk about. But uh, it was announced earlier this morning – pardon me – about an hour ago. Now – we're not exactly sure when this will take place because the person in question is still playing in the NFL and may play till he's 60. 
I don't know. But it was announced by Fox Sports Today, their CEO, Lachlan, Mur- uh, Lachlan Murdoch. Uh, he announced today that Tom Brady will become the number one analyst at Fox Sports for their NFL coverage once, if and when, he retires and stops playing from the NFL. He will be paired with play-by-play, uh, play-by-play you know, uh, star Kevin Burkhart on the premier NFL game of the week on Fox. So he is going to be essentially you know, taking over as the number one analyst there as a lot of things have moved around. Because essentially when this all settles down, okay, when, when Tom Brady retires, when he actually hangs it up for good, when he's serious about it, He'll go into the booth. Now, if you look at all of the broadcast partners right now for the NFL, you've got uh, Fox, of course, CBS. They are the, the you know the, the local coverage, the uh, the networks. Then you have NBC, of course, with their Sunday night game of the week, ESPN, and Amazon. Of course, now Amazon going to be picking up games, as we've mentioned on this show before, and and how their influence on the schedule is going to be. They have the Thursday night games, so. Fox will be Kevin Burkhardt and Tom Brady once he's done, maybe the 2024 year, uh, 2024 season may be it for, for, for Tom for his first year in the booth. But that'll be Burkhardt and Brady. That's a great that's a great lineup, great broadcast lineup. Kevin Burkhardt does a fantastic job. CBS will be Jim Nance and Tony Romo. People love that duo. Tony has done a phenomenal job as the analyst role there for CBS. I personally really, really enjoy Listening to Tony, uh, you know, he does a, a great job of, of working with the teams on the, the week leading up to the games, learns their playbook, you know, learns the tendencies, and has done a phenomenal job essentially predicting plays, uh, which, for lack of a better term, on the broadcast, which has been a lot of fun to watch as well. I think we all get, a, get some enjoyment and some entertainment out of that. The NBC uh, broadcast will still be Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. And as much as I can't stand Chris Collinsworth, Mike Tirico does a phenomenal job and a big fan of his. ESPN is now having Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, the former Fox duo. When Joe Buck left Fox, Troy Aikman followed him. Uh, and they're going to be now the, 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 you know, the uh, play-by-play and color duo for the ESPN game. So a great booth for ESPN for their NFL games. And Amazon's duo is going to be the great Al Michaels alongside Kirk Herbstreet, which I thought was an interesting choice for Amazon. They went with a college football guy to do NFL analyst work. So uh, Kirk, thankfully, has had – that was announced quite some time ago, and he's had plenty of time to start working and honing his craft, moving to the NFL analyst position for Amazon, and he got paid big time for it, by the way. Uh, so uh, he better be working hard at it. So Tom Brady will become the number one analyst at Fox Sports when and if he decides to retire from the game of football. Now, Fox, they do have they have television rights for two of the next three Super Bowls. So it makes sense that Tom Brady would be, you know, be ready to go for the 2024 season. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see if Tom Brady gets to call a Super Bowl before he gets to play in one one final time. So uh, that could be an interesting little watch, a little countdown to see what comes first, Tom Brady playing in a Super Bowl or announcing a Super Bowl to finish his career in the NFL or begin his career in the booth. I don't know what Tom will be like in the broadcast booth. 
if his appearances on you know television and in movies are any indication, I think he'll be just fine. He's extremely well spoken. He seems to be you know somewhat of a uh, of a jokester and have some sarcasm to him. I think that'll translate well. So I, I just hope that he's not you know my concerns with Tom Brady is you know his brand has become so big that it's almost become bigger than the man himself because he has his you know he's got his hands in so many different pies with TB12 and his Brady apparel and I mean everything that he's got going on in his life outside of sports essentially uh I, I just hope that he's able to open up and be himself and not be more concerned about I, I guess uh you know you know constructing his brand or or protecting his brand if you will well when he's in the booth and you know I hope he's able to cut loose a little bit because I think that's what that's what people want people don't want to hear or see robots people want to relate with superstars with celebrities with famous people they don't want to see some fabricated facade of a person people want to feel like they know the person like they they have intimate knowledge of who they are and what they're about and the things that they like and the real person that they are underneath i think genuinely i think that's what people want there are plenty of people who are just totally fine with looking at at the world through instagram filter eyes and that's okay too i mean they're they're in for a rude awakening at some point but there are plenty of people out there that are like i don't care if you know if the person you know uses an instagram filter on every picture that's all i want to see there was a really funny south park episode about it once and basically like all the girls in school started photoshopping and using filters on like profile pictures on their social medias and stuff and all the boys were like oh this is my girlfriend but they would only show the pictures that have been like photoshopped and stuff and like these girls are like oh she's so hot and this and that and you know the girl in real life is just a normal girl but they would go around showing everybody the pictures they were only enamored with the pictures that have been doctored and, and all this stuff about the girls and i thought it was a really interesting reflection on society so to digress I just hope that Tom Brady is able to be himself in the booth because I think that's what's going to resonate most with NFL fans, with football fans as they're watching the game, which I think is why Tony Romo has done such a phenomenal job. Tony has not had to live up to some, uh, you know, some pedestal that he's been placed upon, whether by other people or by himself, because of branding that he has, you know, that he's done for himself and companies that he's put out there with his name on them and, uh, you know, the, the I, I guess, the aura that has become greater than the person. Tony's able to just be himself because people only know Tony Romo from watching him on a football field. They don't have really any other notions about him. So they only know Tony from that. And for him to transition to the booth was really seamless and easy for him, and he's been, he's been great. I just hope that Tom Brady is able to do the same thing and not put up some kind of fake, uh, you know, TB12 on the microphone kind of thing. Like, that would be silly. That would be disingenuous. And I think people would, would shun away from that rather, rather quickly. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, more from the NFL and news and things like that. It's NFL schedule week. There was a, a game scheduled, essentially a, 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 a game scheduling announced earlier this morning. And... What are the possibilities of second teams in the same city? One city in particular has piqued my interest. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Still got a little over an hour to go here as we count down hour number one. NFL schedule week is upon us, and the NFL has announced yet another game to their schedule. This one, a Christmas Day game. Uh, the Of course, the, the football and family holiday as the Denver Broncos will travel to Los Angeles to take on the champion Rams. That game will uh, air at uh, 1.30 local time. I guess at that point, it's the, the, the daylight savings time would have kicked in by then. It'll be 2.30 local time. That game will be on CBS and Nickelodeon as well as Paramount Plus. You can stream it on Paramount Plus. So the uh, the Broncos and the Rams slated for a Christmas Day game in Los Angeles could be uh, could be a good one there. That you know by the time December 25th rolls around, that'll be like week 14 ish, week 15 ish, somewhere around there. Those teams could be posturing specifically the Broncos uh, for a, a a division lead right there. So. That should be a good one. Two uh, two good teams going at it. Um, and also, there was an interesting article. I don't remember exactly where it came from. I saw it on Pro Football Talk. There's a notion that the NFL may want to start expanding once again here in the United States to a 34-team league, maybe even a 36-team league. And the notion is now that they're going to have more teams sharing stadiums with one another, like they do in, you know, obviously New York, Los Angeles, and such. So what are the candidates, what cities are candidates for a second team? Now, most people would probably shudder at the fact that I would say that I think Dallas would be the number one candidate for uh, for a second team because Jerry, as, you know, as, as I guess, egotistical as he is, wouldn't want a second team they're in Dallas competing with his boys. However, let's remember something. Jerry Jones owns that gigantic building there in Dallas. They call it the Jerry Dome for a reason, because he owns it. So if a team came in, if the NFL brought a team in and said, okay, you're now going to be renting space, it'll be you know 12 games a year, whatever it is, uh, you know, 10, 11 you know, games a year, whatever, whatever it would be because of the new schedule, who knows what it'll be when, when a, an expansion team joins. But the amount of revenue that Jerry Jones would make from having another team in there in the weeks that the Cowboys are on the road would be massive. I mean, it, that's a huge, huge swell of income for Jerry and his family and his legacy and his business and all that other stuff. So I think if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm like, hey, uh, if the NFL wants to expand into current cities, please take me, choose me. Please choose me, because uh, I mean there's there's a considerable amount of revenue to be made by sharing his stadium with some other NFL team, which I think is you know uh, I, I, look I think it would be a, a smart business move for Jerry to open up his stadium for another NFL team. So that could be uh, that could be something to keep an eye on there. Uh, as uh, as we move forward in the years, and look, I, I think you know places like Chicago, Las Vegas, 
are also candidates for uh, second team, second team expansion within those same cities. All right, that's our number one in the books. Stay tuned. We've got our number two coming up. Lots of NFL to discuss. We'll talk some D-backs, and, of course, we'll preview Game 5 of the Suns and Mavericks series. Big game tonight in Phoenix, which, of course, you can hear right here on ESPN Tucson. Stay tuned. Just a quick little uh, two-minute turnaround here after the uh, Sports Center break, and we'll be back with more right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.